This week's episode contains mentions of suicide, substance abuse, and bullying. While there's nothing explicit, it could be triggering for some. It's okay if you need to skip this one. Do what's right for you. This is Unsilent, a speak series from No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that prevent people from getting the help they need. I'm Eli Lawson, a producer for the show. This week, No Stigmas Landsport Alone will be having a conversation with Chris, an advocate against cyberbullying. We'll hear about Chris's difficult past and how early diagnoses with borderline personality disorder and autism made it that much harder. We'll learn about the devastating effects of online bullying and how it's costing lives, but we'll also see how conversation and support make a huge difference. Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more or contact us, visit nostigmas.org. Don't face it alone. Be unsilent. What is your connection to the cause of mental health advocacy? Like, What brings you with us today? Um, it was basically due to my background. It was because I had a lot of bullying online due to my disability of autism and BPD, which is um, borderline personality disorder. I don't know what it's called. I think it's ADD. Uh, we we have borderline personality disorder as well. Yeah. Can you tell us? So tell us, like, yeah, let's get to know you a bit. Like, tell us a little bit about you. Maybe some of your backstory. Um. Well, I was basically I didn't fit in at primary school. I was the the last kid to get picked at sports and me too though <laughs> I mean, like i was a, a loner didn't fit yeah. in had problems at home usual story went to high school thought that life would be better it wasn't i basically mm-hmm. went from set one which is like the highest grade in mm-hmm. school like the well-to-do the wouldn't misbehave sort of class down to Set six, which is like the we've given up on you lot. Oh, so wow. In the space of two years, I went from set one down to set six. Fell out of school, got into some quite serious trouble. Wow. Both with parents and with police, but we'll gloss over that. Mm-hmm. So, what was your, I guess, what was your, your starting point? Like, what, I mean, I mean, we have so many things to talk about, but what would be, I mean, let's go back to like when you were a kid. Um, did you come into any diagnoses as a kid or or when did you come into some diagnoses? Um, my diagnosis didn't kick in until I was early 20s, late 20s. Okay. That's when I had problems in employment. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the borderline personality or... Uh, Okay. Bit of both. It was the autism on the BPD. Okay. I worked at two major brand supermarkets where things very, very quickly went wrong. Mm. And after that, I went on a very, very spiral downwards of the over-counter prescription meds and drink, which yeah didn't help. Yeah. Sorry for that. So today I want to make sure that we don't, um, you know, trigger any yeah. past trauma. So whatever you, however deep you want to go and wherever you'd like to go is totally fine. So if, if you, you know, if you're wanting to, to not share too many in any direction, I totally respect that. But, um, yeah. so you, so you were, you know, you said you had some tough times in school. Yeah. Um, would you, 
I know today we're going to really dive into some some talk about cyberbullying, um, but going back to just old school bullying, mm. <laughs> um, was it always a part of your story? Was it always something that you you had around you? Yeah, bullying was a big part of my life from more or less the get go. It was yeah, name calling. It was kicking. It was being spat on. It was rumors. It was just pure nastiness from the get-go from year seven to when I was finally kicked out. So what would you, how did you handle those, those times in school? Um, I didn't. I was more or less off the handle. Every opportunity I could get, I would just fly off the handle uncontrollably at times. Yeah. Did and you feel that you, did you, did you, I mean, at that time, did you, did you feel like you maybe had, uh, maybe something going on with your mental health or did anyone tell you that? Um, yeah, my teachers tried to tell my parents at the time that um, something may be wrong, but my parents didn't want to know at the time. They thought it was just little lad being a bad lad, as they did right. back then. Right, right. Did you, um, have you talked to them about s- some of that? Only recently, yeah. that's what's happened with me, but I'm just about starting to live with who I am and what I am. I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? Um, so what did you, I guess, so you, you, you really had a stigma in your own, in your own family growing up. Like you, you were obviously going through some traumatic um, times and the stigma of kind of not really talking about it or just toughing it out was, was in your house. Right. Yeah. And it was also my relationship as well. My girlfriend is now my ex-girlfriend. When Mm. she found out what was going on, she, basically start with the bullying as well you weirdo and all that sort of nastiness and finally she left me and said you're not normal piss off type yeah and how where, where was she in your story was she at a high school um, or past um, high, school? high school high school into college she was into college. when she found out I was that i was not normal per se yeah was, that word right that word normal yeah so okay, so we okay, so great. We're just getting to know you, and um, what brought about? I mean, how, walk us through like coming into a borderline personality disorder diagnosis. Like you mentioned, you were kind of lashing out, and and maybe the yeah. work was hard. I mean, what was that journey like to get there? It was it was really hard from the point of view that no, that my employers didn't want to know about what was going on behind the scenes and it was just again he's a bad lad he's a young lad he'll grow out of it one day and no yeah and then it was finally it led to me doing some really really drastic unfortunate stuff which i don't want to delve too much into that's okay that's okay so you so you were eventually you got you found your way to a um psychiatrist i i guess or to a doctor yeah I was um, sectioned after purposely crashing my first car while whilst under the influence of prescription meds. I'm glad that you're okay today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Um, was it hard? Was it hard for you to find that diagnosis or, or did you? It was, yeah, over here it's, there's so many hoops to jump, jump through because you've got mm-hmm. what's called your normal NHS and then you've mm-hmm. got other services on top, like IAPT, which is a 
access to psychological services, which again is more hoops to go through, George. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever you and there's four tiers, like there's one, two, three, four, which is like one is you're very, very mild, nothing wrong with you to the tier four, which is like you're in dire straits of suicide. Right. Which I was bordering on three, four at the time. Okay, that's that's good to know the, that that system. So um when you finally got to talk to somebody, what was that kind of those conversations like for you? I mean, did you feel like finally someone's listening to me? Finally yeah. someone sees me? Yeah, I did up to a point. And then they basically said, because I can put on the front for so long, they, they basically said to me that you're not, quote, dead enough to warrant support. Come back when you're dead enough. So like, we're now going to discharge you from service. Look after yourself. Okay. I mean, I guess in some ways that's a positive, right? Like you, did you feel that that was what you wanted at that time? No, I wanted more support, but yeah. it was just down to the fact that I can put on the front so much that I look normal. I act normal. I right. can get on with daily life. Well, at right. times. High, high function, yeah. High functioning or, you know, I to, the, to for, the, I, yeah. I can mask for months before something yeah. goes highly wrong. Wow. So what, what took you, I mean, uh, how did you go from, you know, okay, you're good. Go, go live your life, Chris. You, you got this to, to, to the next step. Um, it was basically that I went downhill quickly. I was not engaging with services. I was not engaging with my GP and I got literally restrained by police for going AWOL on a number of occasions mm. who basically then put me on meds, which I refused point blank to take. And my behavior worse, my running away got worse and more dangerous. Okay. Wow. To the point where I thought, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Wow. So um, walk us through, okay, so we've, we've, I mean, was, was diagnosis acceptance tough for you? Did you accept kind of, okay, this is, this is where you are. This is what what we think is going on did you did you accept that easily or was that not not easily no not easily what was that like for you it was quite hard because it took me a while to actually research what things meant and after a period of a few months it was like oh yeah okay this clicks i understand myself now yeah did you feel because I, I know sometimes that we talk to people and they feel you know in some ways they don't want to be put in a box or check a no. check a box, but at the same time, there it, it is it is nice to feel, yeah, that validation a bit. Did you feel that kind of validation? Like, okay, this now makes sense. I now understand. Yeah. yeah. So, what takes you? I know, kind of. Let's jump forward um, to this idea of cyber bullying. Where did cyber bullying start to be a part of your life? Um, it basically started with. Um me being part of my local um, town forum group here in Winsford in Cheshire. And it's run by some very not nice people. Okay. Don't like so this is, whether this is like a Facebook community? Or... Yeah. Okay. And they don't like hearing opinions. And if you have an opinion, you get jumped on. Yeah. And because it was an honest opinion, I was not going to swear, I was not going to be violent towards them. And it turned them into basically threatening me, threatening my family, using the police as weapons against me. Again, the running away started again. Mm. 
So I've had lots of interactions in the last 18 months with police in various different towns of the UK. Because of things you're doing in, in, in the physical space or things that are happening on, online? It was basically what, what was happening online like 18 months ago. I was like a missing person almost every other day, different town, different police station, different custody suite. Wait, say that again? You had what? I was running away to different towns, like having police interaction, different police stations, different custody suites. What, so, okay. What, so what was, why was that happening or what was, what was going on? I just wasn't thinking like thinking mm. I just want to be somewhere safe. I'm going to disappear. Oh, I saw. Okay. I had, I had helicopters out looking for me, police dogs, police on the ground, helicopters, all that every time. Wow. And that was because you, you didn't want to be in any one place. You wanted yeah. to just, okay. I just didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. Wow. Was cyberbullying, did that continue while you were kind of feeling out of place? Yeah, it was getting more and more intense. And then things have only recently quietened down with the people involved have now been arrested. So that's a step forward. Wow. So this was all the same group of people that you felt were bullying you online? Yeah. Wow. So I know that the articles that you've that you've shared with us have, you know, kind of talked about this um, national award. Can you tell me tell me about that? Um, that basically started with me saying that enough was enough, and mm -hmm. I don't want anyone else to go through what I've been through online because it's not very nice for anyone, yeah. let alone families that are behind this. And I thought, well, I'm going to write to my MP. So we're up to my MP and he's like, yeah, things do need to change before a tragic suicide happens. Mm -hmm. And he got me in touch with a charity called sense.org.uk, which is a national UK charity for disability people. And they said, we'll nurture you, we'll support you with this anti-cyberbullying mission. I love that. I love that. Glad that, you that. We'll sort you out with a Twitter account and get yourself known. I love that. I love that you found a group that said, we see you and we support you and we have your back. That's awesome. So what, what's, what's come of that relationship? Um, they're still a part of my life and I'll be seeing them in July of this year because we've got a very, very big national anti-disability conference coming up in Warrington, UK. Nice. So that's going to be good to see them again. Yeah, that's going to be great. So what did you... Uh, what do you want to tell people who don't understand or who can't understand what it's like to be cyberbullied? Like, what do you want them to understand? I just want them to understand just how nasty the world can be. I mean, some people online can say, I care about you, I like you, I want to be friends with you, but you have no idea what that ulterior motive can be. It can be to use you, to hurt you, to cause you an issue. Mm -hmm. just basically to be careful not to get lured yeah. in yeah what about um i know it's we we talk a lot about cyberbullying with young people you know with young yeah. users on the internet Do, did you see it really wasn't just for young people did you no really experience it I've, yeah. I've seen it always around i mean we've had both old and young people in Cheshire that have committed suicide this past two weeks with cyberbullying. 
it's really? it's been very very in the press recently really what do you think what do you think would be the best way to to save people from self-harm because of cyberbullying like how other than just kind of like you know okay be careful be aware i mean how do we how do we save these people in our lives like how do i mean i have four nieces and i i worry so much about their safety and hmm. you know their self-esteem and making sure that they don't care don't care don't care <laughs> don't care too much um i think it's about it uh, well for yourself i think it's uh, that early intervention isn't it is that yeah talk 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 early and noticing the body language of the people you are talking to. I mean, there are some very, very good signs that something is really wrong. I mean, like for one thing, if, if you say you buy them a PlayStation or an Xbox, the next thing is it's been sold. You have to think why, what's, what's going on? What do you need money for? Like those things that just, no things that go missing, clothes, money. Right. And and why would they, you, you mean because they're trying to distance themselves from the things that people might be making fun of? No, it's basically oh. to say, I'm going to get money, I'm going to plan on disappearing. And it's like, that's oh, what the right. I'm going to sell my laptop, I'll sell my desktop, I will sell whatever oh. to get money. It'll, it's. Okay, now I understand. That something is very, very wrong. And that, yeah, I didn't think about that. I was thinking like, okay, I'm getting bullied on the PlayStation. I don't want to. I don't want to play it. <laughs> or you know, yeah, that's one of the, the very first warning signs is, is watch for things walking, whether it's mm. computers, Xbox, PlayStation. That's interesting. I had never heard that. That's really interesting. So, where are you at today with cyberbullying? I mean, is is it something that you've learned some skills around dealing, or does it still I'm, it affects me from time to time, but I am actually now my own person. I know what I want in life, and I just basically want to give back to those who are more vulnerable than I am. Just the online life is not funny. Yeah, that's. I'm glad that you're taking that stand and you're saying like, this is not okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, it sounds so obvious, but you have to just keep saying it. I mean, like there was a a piece on the national news say about um, Facebook putting things into the virtual reality world. It doesn't matter if you're 13, whatever age you are, where you can put on a virtual reality headset and you can walk into like a brothel, you can walk into a bar, you can pick a fight with a 13 year old online. It's like, that's not okay. Mm. I mean, I know the gun lobbying over your way is fair and square. You can do what you like. When you're talking about walking to a, a virtual gun room and you can pick up any hand weapon, any assault rifle you like, it's like you're going to allow a 13 year old online to handle a weapon. What's that say to a kid? What? How damaging is that to a kid? Yeah. Or like, what is the connection in, into the real world? Like, do they feel, you know, I feel like growing up, it was always this sort of you know playing video games makes you violent hmm. and you know da, 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 da. and i remember there were always these studies that came out that that like would always say okay that could be true for a couple of people but the large 
majority of people who yeah. play video games are not violent. But I mean, what you, what you, you can just yeah. like say and do anything, and it could be yeah. your niece of yeah. that young age talking to some guy who you don't know what his age is. Yeah, no, totally, absolutely. I remember. <laughs> It's just unsettling feeling. It is. I remember going back. You you just said that it made me think of like back to like AIM chat rooms. Yeah. When, when that was coming out and you're kind of like, okay, your parents are like, okay, watch out for that. But I mean, do you feel that you, I mean, from your experiences or, or kind of what you've learned in this part of your life, like, do you feel that the, the, the kind of the boundaries between real and virtual are getting blurred for people? Like, do they feel... Yeah. I know there's this term keyboard confidence, right? That's like, they feel like they can, people can say whatever they want behind a keyboard. I mean, what do you think about that? Like, the... I just, th I, I think it can be dangerous, especially if you're a vulnerable person that you could take things too far or they could take things too far with you. Yeah. I mean, you could be in the worst possible position and you're, say if you just broke up with a girlfriend, a fiance, and someone starts saying to you, I love you, I want to be with you just to cause you mental harm i mm. mean it's not just a young person i mean it could be you it could be whoever and it's not nice it's not funny it's really yeah it's it's really not it's really not okay it's not okay for anybody but i mean it's... i mean it's also the matter of what the school board does in the u.s because i've noticed and i've heard scare stories that schools over there turn a blind eye to it it's like it's kids being kids nothing will go wrong we're not accountable yeah, I think that I think that the um, the kind of the stigma around so many things are, oh, no, that's what it is, or that's who they are, you know, you kind of just disregard things. Um, I hope that we start to really move toward seeing people more, because I think if we see each other more, well, like you said, you know, the early prevention or catching yeah. the warning signs and, and but, you know, but the problem is that it falls you home, doesn't it? Because it's on your laptop, it's on your phone, it's on your iWatch. And yeah, you can turn them off, but as soon as you're back on it, the nasty comments are there, the spiteful text are there, the harassment calls are there. If you or someone you know is experiencing a crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org for support via live chat. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, please call 911. Other resources are linked in the show notes. So what, whenever you have gotten, you know, I don't want to like relive anything, but when you've really felt the most attacked, when you've felt the most put out, how I know that you, you said you made some choices that maybe you regretted or not wanted to, yeah. have, but in moments where you really felt like I got this, how did you pull yeah. yourself out? How did you get out of those? How did you not let that, that caught those comments get to you? I basically shut down all my accounts until I actually felt better. And I actually talked to someone and said, someone I trusted, look, this is what's being said. I'm not going to retaliate to this. Right. But I'd like counselling to sort myself out before I spiral. That, that was good, good, good on you, as you, as they say, good on you. Yeah, I mean, shut it down. I love that. Just shut it down. You don't have to be online. No. <laughs> Protect your. It's hip, isn't it, with the kids these days? It's have you got Snapchat? Have you got TikTok? Have oh, you no. got Facebook? All that. 
I know. I and know. if you don't have it, you don't fit in. Therefore, the bullying starts. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think back to like Tamagotchis or if you didn't have if you didn't have it no you're not cool no. yeah it's like it, it's that that's always same the case with, same with the football kit if you don't have the football kit you're not going to fit yeah. exactly exactly it's always something it's always something but um that was just that I, my, my train of thought just went over there because <laughs> i was gonna <laughs> say i was thinking about something but um yeah turn it off i love that you said just unplug it i think we forget that we have the power to to disconnect from situations. I think that's something that I wish more kids knew is like, you don't have to be in this, you know, you, you, just because someone's coming after you doesn't mean you have to put up with it or be in right. Definitely. Yeah. You have that power to remember. You have that power to get out of it. Especially the, online, the online world, especially when you are vulnerable can cause you immense damage. Absolutely. And especially if you can, you, you're not even you're not physically in the same room so close your computer turn off your phone like you hmm. protect yourself I, I think that that's great advice so when we i want to go back to uh, you know understanding you came into this sort of dual diagnosis a little bit later in life um where do you feel that that the you know i guess i want to understand the the autism side yeah. of of your personality and and that piece like what do you think what do you think people are not understanding about you that I makes it was feel how, like they can bully i think it was more like how i behave in social interactions because i i don't deal well in like large crowds as a normal neurotypical person would i don't pick up that social cue that says just shut up and listen mm. And I would just put into any conversation, which well, I know is not the done thing, but I was going to say, yeah, I, 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 I think a lot of us, we don't know enough to understand what, you know, what things are that don't, that haven't mm -hmm. been our life experiences. And it's for some people so easy to just turn at, turn on someone because I don't, yeah. you know, I don't understand it. So you're, over there man so what do you think i mean in terms of like i guess education which is kind of a part of advocating yeah. advocating for youth that are coming up and receiving any kind of mental health diagnosis or understanding themselves or just growing up in general i mean what do you think helped or would help these these young people who who maybe are coming into like an autism diagnosis That's I think it's just the more understanding, I think, from the parents, the families, the teachers, that something may be wrong and needs that kid needs that extra support rather than the, oh, he or she's on a spiral down, put her on the scrappy, put him on the scrappy, because that's not helpful for you, the parent, is it? I mean, right. you need to come on and say, they're giving up on me, daddy. Like, that's not funny. Man, that's heartbreaking. Did you feel that that, ha that happened to you? Yeah. Man, that kind of makes me angry. <laughs> it does, but that's teaching them because they don't. I know they're supposed to be training out there, but I don't think there's enough understanding. I I agree. I think there's because such a the, DS, the DSM changes every other day, so it's the symptoms change, therefore the mm -hmm. treatment changes, therefore the understanding changes. It's like absolutely. I then your that. child falls down that crack in the hole of the services. 
I get that. It can be a spiral. What are some, um, just to understand, you know, what are some things that I'm trying to put myself in a classroom. I think talking about youth and where your story started is, is, um, interesting to me, but if I'm say I'm sitting in a classroom and I have you to my right and I have a bully to my left Mm. and the bully starts saying things to you for whatever reason, Mm. what should I do in that situation? What can I do in that situation? I guess it depends how involved you want to get, but I guess as a teacher, you probably want to resolve what goes on. But again, it's you in the middle, isn't it? The teachers yeah. want to get hurt because if teacher gets hurt, school gets blamed. Yeah, that's. I guess that's true. It's, again, that's is there? Horrible. Is there? I mean, do you think there should be more? You know, growing up, there were always these these classes. Um, you know, physical education or health classes that we have to sit through where they talk about, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Um, do you think there should be more like mental health? Definitely. Definitely. Sort of emotional. I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know, emotional awareness, diversity, yeah. like under like uh, broadening people's, you know. But again, the problem here is, is that you get cut off after a certain age. So because yeah. we have what's called CAMS, which is the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service, and that goes from about the age of five to 17, 18, which is basically everyone that's got mental health issues. Well, and I mean, then, yeah, you could do a lot, but you could do a lot of good in that, in that eight, that age gap. I think like, if you, you know, you kind of got into schools and said, Hey, this is, this is what autism may look like. Yes. You know, this is not yeah. something to be made fun of. This is a human being and this is how they express themselves or how they, Hey, well, they will act in the situation. Yes. Yeah. But the problem is with that one, 218, it's like, well, you're out of our jurisdiction now. Mm. Go your own way. It's like, yeah. So the sport drops, no more help at home, no more help at school or college. It's, well, tough. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's a really, that's a good point too. Like, okay, so you don't feel supported at home. You don't feel support in school. You don't feel that you have that acknowledgement. For you and your story, you said you went to some dark places and then you started running. Yeah. What would keep, or I guess, is is there a way for someone who's in that headspace to not harm themselves and not run? Is I guess it's that early intervention again. It's like noticing the signs because there will be visible signs that will show at that point. Yeah. I mean, what for if me, it, it what was, if yeah. I mean, for me, it was like collecting sharps, which is like blades off Stanley knives and things like that. It was, and that for my parents was like, yeah, there's, there's a real problem here. So collect, you, you said collecting Stanley knife blades, blades. Okay. Yeah. And that for them was like, okay, there's a problem here. Okay. I wonder, do you think that there's a way for someone who feels like they've been not supported to use technology to, to connect again? Like, do you think that it's, the best to just disconnect from it or do you think they could turn it around and use it for good it it can depend how deeply they've unfortunately gone because where i went to in my head it like everything that i was told i twisted and it really really destroyed me it's like when i was at Malos, if you would say to me chris please talk to me i love you i cherish you my mom would to me like say why is he saying that 
what's his ulterior motive? Do I trust you? He's like, well, no, I don't trust you, therefore I won't. And that came and from... He's damaging. So that you're saying that that really came from how you were seeing hmm. your situation. You were, yeah. you know, even people that were trying to help you. And I was just pushing everyone away, like with that thought of like, what's your two motive? What's the out the outcome here? What do you want? That's hard. And it hurts. Yeah, that's really hard. I know. You know, a lot of us that feel connected to mental health do have those moments of pushing people away that try to help us. Yeah. I think that's a common theme. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what the support system is like over in the US when you, you say you've got mental health issues, but I'm probably it's the same where you are. Yeah. I mean, we're in the US. I mean, there is definitely access. I mean, there's definitely a plethora of resources. Um, it depends on your, you know, sometimes it really comes down to do you have access to health insurance to cover the cost cool. of a visit um you know some people won't see people without insurance so that can be a barrier for some people to get help um here in italy it's very it's very similar you know you can seek public services and yeah. those are those are um subsidized which is nice um but even cool. so actually i will say i've i've had sidebar <laughs> i've had two different three three or four different psychiatrists here in italy and mm -hmm. um, i will say three of them were mm -hmm. dismissive not yeah. engaged like there's nothing nothing wrong with you carry well, on no but everything's wrong with you <laughs> everything is wrong with you here's a bunch of medications and you know yeah um, but not really invested in the reasons why what's going my, on yeah like or, or my overall like self you know it was kind of just like oh i feel like a little like you're describing getting lost in the system or lost yeah. in the cracks and um i definitely have seen that happen and and in america as well but um i've just more recently since i've moved here it's i've seen that and i'm very grateful to have found someone who does see me yeah you know um so it can be a game changer i mean it what's your What's your support system like now? I've got a very good support system around me now. I've got a lady that's a mental health nurse that sees me every week to make sure that I'm A1, which I am. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And what are you doing for, uh, I know you mentioned, um, you know, working with this organization and, and kind of coming up to, I mean, what are, how are you getting out there? Like, how are you, how are you passing your time? <laughs> um, I basically, Passed my time by building and repairing computers, which has been my hobby since I was about four. Whoa. Okay. Now that's okay. Let's talk about that. Building and repairing computers. So mm. you're building and repairing technology. Yeah. Years after technology, people use technology to hurt you. Well, I'm going to show my age that I built my very first computer, which was back then a 386, which was the slowest processor out there is it was like one meg of ram oh my god half a meg of hard drive wait 45 minutes for it to boot up sort of machine it was all for work groups it was the best of the best i remember i i i remember some of those early models <laughs> yeah then i moved to the microsoft the i went then went to the 486 
and then the 486DX25, which was the best of the non-Pentium machines. Right, of the of the day. The best yeah. of the day. Then I went to the Pentium 1, the 2, the 3, the 4. So what are you so building like, now? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, I've just finished an iCore 7, which is an out-and-out gaming machine. It's a 9.9-gig, 8-terabyte, 24-gig, 8-terabyte hard drive. Oh my gosh! It's an out and out gamer. That's that's eight eight ter. I was like, my my iMac has one T. I'm very happy about that. But yeah. eight, you can't even imagine. So what do you um? Yeah, I was gonna. I was that was one of the questions I wanted to kind of ask you was, are there any parts of your personality or sort of how you know how you were how you're wired how you're built? Do you? have you kind of flipped the script on some of the things that other people told you maybe or the things yeah. that are wrong with you, the things that are bad, you know, hmm. have you learned to kind of flip those? I know a lot of people share um, with me and our team kind of this, like I took back my power or I, people used to say I was loud, but then I went and became an activist and I, you know, or people used yeah. to say I'm, I'm, I'm nerdy, but I went and, built a rocket ship yeah. or something like you know do you feel yeah. that way do you feel that you've harnessed some of that yeah well i was told from my very early days that i was going to be thrown on scrap heap that i was no good for anything and i wouldn't amount to anything but i've learned now to realize actually i am someone and I'm, i am worth something i love that you are you are someone and you are definitely worth something so what parts of, um, you know, the way that you, like, you know, you mentioned kind of falling through the cracks in school or, yeah. you know, but now you're, you're fixing and building computers that takes in a lot of intelligence and talent. Yeah. You know, do you, it's, I mean, what, it's what comes to my autism. It's the motherboard, the processor, the memory, the connections, the software. It's, and it's just like, Joy, I've done this. I've built this machine. I love that. I love that. Do you think that, I mean, do you do you think you're so great at building machines and computers because of how your brain works? Yeah, definitely. It's pretty cool. It's That's one of cool. 11 on the go. It's one of what? 11. 11 computers? Yeah. At the same time? They're all being installed as we speak. Wow. I was like, yeah, I think I'm technological because I have like Mac products and you're over here, like building hard drives and like <laughs> the inside. So that's really cool. No, I think that's really cool. And I can see that, that, that makes you happy. And I'm happy that mm. you found that passion and you found something that, you know, you take, you take all the, you know, you take all the best parts of you and you apply it to something. And I think that's sounds like that's what you're up to. Mm-hmm. So what do you think would be in your future? Like, what do you think for the next five, 10 years? Like, what do you want? What do you want to see this next chapter? Like if we leave all of the, all the muck behind, we take all the good stuff and we move forward. What do you think that looks like? I think it's going to be a bright future. Because I think there's going to be a lot of changes now with, I'd say the online world and more protections now coming in. Cause yeah. I'm currently working with the department for media, culture and sport, which is basically the government here. Nice. And there's going to be a new law coming in in the next two, three days. 
days. Days, yes. That's good timing. I was going to make things illegal. So if you harass someone, you're going to go to prison. I was going to say, that's awesome. Not the. I hope no one goes to prison, but I hope that you know people are held accountable. That sounds, yeah, we got to protect our kids. We got to protect everybody, not just our kids. Well, it's all thanks to Frances Haugen. She started this. Hmm. I'm not the, super familiar with, um, with. She basically went to the U.S. Senate just before Christmas, and then came to our UK government. She's what's known as a um, Facebook whistleblower. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Said that she copied every document from Facebook and said, "Mark Zuckerberg's not done this. He's put harm before profits. He's." That's what it is. Yes, yes. I do. I've, I'm like I got the headlines of that. Yeah. Sometimes I get news fatigue. Yeah. I, I, I know. I went to I, I went to journalism school and PR school and, and all of that. And sometimes it's I'm a I'm a news junkie and so I have to yeah. go through periods of like detox because I'm like I can't You can't um, handle it all. It's it's just so much doom and gloom sometimes. You feel like mm. the world is just plummeting all the time. And for me that it's it's sometimes sad. It's it, it's like too sad. Like it's like okay, I have to stop because I now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, especially with the uh, the Russian Ukraine situation, it's heartbreaking. I know, and we're over here on this side of the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> we're over here. <laughs> what do you want to accomplish, or what do you hope to? I just to... want to make a difference for other people. I mean, I hope to be able to go into schools and colleges and sort of give that message of just talk and talk and talk before something happens absolutely if you're the person, it's not just the kids that suffer it's the parents yeah. absolutely so if you know i i think one thing that's interesting is like you know talk 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 if you're going through something hmm. but also we we should be talking when we see someone going through something right like we need to be yeah, we need to learn what, like you said, some of these some of these warning signs or some of these things to look out for. I mean, you think there is a good warning sign is the secretive aspect of what goes on. Like if you walk in on your daughter, or you suddenly see them sort of putting laptop screen down when you come in. It's like, why? What's being said? What have you done? What have they done? And if they say, well, nothing, Daddy, anymore, it's all fine. You're like, no, it's not. Right. Why have you put laptop screen down on me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's parenting. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. You're like, but, okay, okay, okay. Don't lie to me. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think you're right. Like being, being aware of that. And, um, you know, I think looking back, I wish that we would have in school, um, and I'm sure this is a global thing, but I wish we would have learned more of sort of recognizing I mean, I, I don't want to say I don't want to, I don't want to single out autism, but I hmm. I feel like it would have been really beneficial to us growing up to just be aware of what certain disabilities look like or don't look like or what they aren't or what they hmm. are. You know, I think that that would just alleviate some of the the suffering, the suffering, and and I, I don't know. I guess I'm optimistic, but I I would hope that if people understood others better they wouldn't be as inclined to to tear no. them down i hope maybe that's but, altruistic i don't know well again it's like early intervention through school isn't it on on college on obviously yourself as a parent it's the 
talk to me about what's going on, let me see your phone and why you've been so secretive with me, what's been said, what hasn't been said. Yeah, that like keep that open line of yeah. communication. Like, you know, just keep 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 the kids talking to you, you know, like I mean obviously not forcing it, but Yeah, but like be in the know. Look, I'm here for you if something goes wrong. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you for talking with me. Is there anything else you want to share with anyone who's listening? I mean, I know we've talked, you, you've shared a lot of good advice and, you know, some, some of your story and, and what we hmm. should be doing. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Well, I guess it's just our final message of just talk, talk, talk. It's the schools, it's the parents, it's ensuring safety of your youngsters out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And don't, and don't forget about the adults. Yes. And the adults. Because, <laughs> Again, you can say or do anything, and you can cause serious mental harm to somebody. Absolutely. And it's just a warning sign. Just be wary. Absolutely. Awesome, Chris. Thank you so much for talking with us. Um, it was Thanks so good. To, you're so good. To, so good to see you. Um, keep in touch with us, and and well, do share any of your wins, and and hopefully we can be like an echo chamber and amplify. You. Um, thank you. You're thank welcome. You you're you're thank welcome. You're welcome. Thank you you're welcome. You're welcome, Chris. Have a great one. Stay warm. Stay safe. Uh, I hope you. the weather. Calms, I hope the weather calms down. Thank you for you. You're welcome. All right. Well, I'll see you later. Yeah. Take care, All right. Bye, Chris. Bye. This is Unsilent. Thank you for listening. Today's episode was hosted by Lance Bordelone and produced by me, Eli Lawson, John Panacucci, Lance, and the rest of the incredible No Stigmas marketing team. Special thanks to Chris for sharing his story this week and bringing awareness to such an important issue. To go beyond the show, connect with us on social media or visit nostigmas.org to learn more about mental health topics. Please leave us a five-star review and share with others wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. New episodes of Unsilent come out every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Finally, remember that whatever you're going through, you don't have to do it alone. Be Unsilent. We'll see you next week.